Dear Mr. Hammett. Dear Miss Smith. Dear Mr. Goldberg, thank you for your thank recent you for application, application to the role, role of assistant producer. We're currently reviewing all applications and we'll get, get back, back to you as soon, soon as we can. You can browse other vacancies at blah, 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 Due to the high volume of applications, we're writing to inform you that unfortunately we won't be taking your application any further. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Jobs Board Season 3 as we roll on into summer and the weather in the UK finally starts to improve. Uh, I am Ollie Hammett. Down the line with me today is George Goldberg. Hello. And last but not least, the lovely Bryony Smith. Hello. <laughs> you guys are really, you're, you know, uh, competing with each other now, aren't you? As you just said, rolling, all I had in my mind was rolling. <laughs> I'm rolling into summer. <laughs> okay. okay. I, thought you, I thought you were going for Limp biscuit there. <laughs> um, how are we doing, guys? George, have you had any uh, more transport uh mishaps no but i have been sending off a lot of delay repay quite recently and i got one pound back so i'm clearly balling what, what, in it what's de- what's delay repay sorry so if your train is 15 minutes or uh, uh... Late, or um actually actually i've just thought of this uh so this is the I've now kind of got a favourite spot on the platform and um, I can see like it allows me to see like not only like all the way down the track uh, like the platform but also like down the track as it curves and uh, my train was actually it was coming at a right old speed and I was looking at it I was like you're not gonna stop are you Um, uh, and and it didn't it like um, it actually went straight through and I think some automatic braking system must have happened because it, it it's like almost emergency stopped with like one carriage at the end and uh, everyone was kind of looking at it and I was like nobody's gonna get on it uh, and it didn't it just then carried on so uh, <laughs> that was that was eventful so I'm, I'm slowly learning trains unreliable but um yeah, they're not the best. But it's all about, like you say, it's all about platform positioning. That's the kind of thing that just it wakes me up in the morning if I'm commuting somewhere. Because I just have to get there as quickly as possible. Because I thought at first the the well-seasoned travellers were all standing, you know, like um, when you get off the actual train, like you're, you're in line to go through the ticket barriers, that kind of stuff. But I've actually learned at my train station, they're actually all standing by the... Uh, the nearest um, set of stairs to actually change onto uh, another platform in case if it doesn't doesn't stop because that's what they all did. Uh, so I think this is might be a regular occurrence that trains just don't stop at my my stop. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm you know I'm yet to venture out from my house in order to go to work at all. So at least you're out there in the big wide world george well i can uh, i can do a, a zoom call with you if you want to try and relive the the lovely sweaty experience it has been quite recently with the warm weather <laughs> oh god i bet it's horrible yeah yeah mm, sweaty top lip with a mask on uh, yeah yeah i i can't wear my glasses because they steam up i've i, I, I ha- oh wow i haven't quite uh, mastered the whole uh putting washing up liquid on them is meant to help but that it's I'm- 
sure that would help. You know, I think that would just blur your vision. I know, <laughs> well, no, that, that's exactly no. what it does, Brian. Like, I, I, I've become more blind, which is the complete opposite of what you want to do with glasses, right? <laughs> no, but you mean you like you wash the washing up liquid off, I presume. Yes, but like the, I, it must be the clearly the uh, the own brand washing up liquid that I have in. Oh have yeah, come flat. on, that is come on, George, leaving a lovely residue on them. You've got to get the uh, you know uh, nymph washing up liquid product placement. Nice. Hopefully they sponsor yeah. this week's yeah. podcast. <laughs> other 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 washing up liquids are available. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but it has been nice. I mean the. <sighs> When I've got on the tube, uh, socially, I suppose, recently, uh, I've noticed that it is insanely busy as well, which is um, not nice to see. Especially that old northern line which you're on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, um, being where I am on the northern line, I can go to another station and change to essentially any other line, which is what I always prefer to do. Now, one of the big uh, developments in the world of journalism, I guess the jobs market and also journalism in general, uh, this week has been the launch of GB News, which launched on Sunday, and this podcast has come out the following day. Um, So, I mean, we three all know some people who are already working at GB News, and uh, I thought we should probably talk about what it means for for the jobs market. Well, there's certainly been a lot of movement in the journalism world. Um, yeah, I know loads of people that have headed to GB News and equally when positions have come up with other organisations, they've kind of moved across. But yeah, I, like I know loads of people that have moved jobs in the last kind of couple of months. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Um, and oh yeah, I suppose ultimately, you know, putting aside any sort of, um, I guess, editorial questions that people might have about the launch of a new network, et cetera, et cetera it's offering a huge amount of opportunity um, for journalists. And um, it's not the most important thing, but from what I hear, the salaries are quite good at GB News. Yeah, and it's it's pretty cool to be like, I was involved in the launch of a new news programme. Like, that's pretty cool to oh, say. Yeah. Um, it must be very at, exciting. At whatever point in your career you are. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be uh, many more coming in once it's launched and once it's sort of... Uh, <clears throat> got an audience and everything so yeah you think that they would be looking for more people once they're established and they know kind of what's working what's not and you know they might pump more resources into one area um but yeah you definitely think there'd be more opportunities available down the line yeah absolutely and uh we'll be updating you with them uh, as they come along um i'm sure there'll be many exciting ones now, though, it's time for our job of the week. Yes, it is time for our job of the week. And this particular position is a trainee journalist role. And it was with our friend of the podcast, Jem, who is, of course, the founder of Jodo Resources. So they are actually looking for someone to work with them. Um, And it's all part of the government's kickstart scheme. So it's a six-month contract, and they're hiring two trainee journalists. Um, It's 25 hours a week, and you work on original features, social media, sort of admin. And it's all about, obviously, general resources. They They do loads of stuff, but one of their main things is kind of helping new journalists find jobs. Um, they write sort of engaging features. They've got a great resource where they kind of compare salaries of, of different organisations. They've got loads of great advice. 
and um and they've also got a, in terms of social media they do all of some tiktok videos they've got an instagram facebook twitter linkedin um so yeah there's loads of stuff if you're if you're trying to break into the industry or you know just trying to gain some more experience and also age between 18 and 24 because you have to be as part of the kickstart scheme i think this is a great opportunity to work with very established and very reputable journalists yeah indeed uh yeah we've got lots of time for journal resources and uh yeah get applying now though it is time to move on to the second stage of the show and bring on our guest uh we met this lady a few weeks ago when we did a an online cv workshop and now we are very pleased to have her on again to see how her CV does against our new CV scanner. And of course, to hear about her career. Please welcome the wonderful Kate Relton. Woo! Thank you. <laughs> well, Kate, after we met, uh, I guess in May now, we wanted to get you on the show to talk about your, well, huge experience in a lot of different uh, media roles. And I guess, first of all, I'm interested in the role that you've been doing since April, which is working as a sub-editor and a writer um, for a music uh, publication. Yeah, so um, I've just been looking for, I'm actually, my day job is uh, not in journalism, uh, but I was wanting to find ways of getting some experience and doing, you know, building my portfolio up and stuff like that. And I saw, I'm trying to remember where I saw the shout out for that job. And it was, I think it was, I think it was a LinkedIn one actually. Um, And it's a volunteer role, but just sort of gives me a bit of opportunity to keep my hand in with article writing. And then uh, I did a few pieces for them. And, um, and then they did a call out for editors and I really love doing sub sub editing. I, um, I always enjoyed it when I was doing my master's. So um, I put my hand in to do that. And um, yeah, so I've been doing some reviews, did some uh, sort of interview Q&A sessions with musicians and bands and and then I've been getting uh, pieces through to edit as well. So it's been it's been really good experience. And, you know, it's a it's a hard one. I mean, the the um, conversation around working for free is always raging isn't it in journalism but um it's definitely given me a lot of experience and being edited is is really valuable as well so yeah it must be and um you've obviously you've got a lot of experience in uh kind of social media and, and marketing um which i'm assuming is your is your day job as you mentioned um so what what interested you in wanting to start something in journalism on the side yeah, so um, I've kind of come round to things a sort of roundabout way. I um, I've always loved writing, and I had a blog for a lot of years just to sort of um, for my own enjoyment. Really, I started a sewing blog about seven years ago now, and did that sort of just to to keep myself happy, and um, and then decided that I'd like to pursue journalism because it seemed like a really um, a good way of sort of using writing as a really flexible uh, way of earning money, basically. And um, yes, I went to study and then I had to leave my master's in the middle. Unfortunately, I never finished it. Um, And I kind of fell into the social media marketing aspect just because I think there's just so much of that around. Every company needs that now and people who've got sort of journalism skills, it's very transferable. Um, set, set set of skills that you can use in social media. So I started doing that, um, at, but I'm trying now with my um, new set of 
job applications to get back into the sort of uh, pure writing stuff because it's what I enjoy the most. So. Kate, I saw from your CV that you, um, thank you very much, you sent to us. And of course, George will be putting through the scanner later. But I noticed that you speak French. And I just wondered whether that's actually been incorporated in any of your journalism or would, in fact, you like to incorporate it in the future? Uh, yes, I do. I lived in France for quite a few years in my teens. My parents had a house over there and I uh, left school after my GCSEs and went to live there. Um, so I was, yeah, fortunate. Just, just interrupt. How cool is that? <laughs> I know it was very cool I feel very lucky not many people get that opportunity especially at my age so um yeah it was amazing and because I was kind of between exams I just sort of I picked up a job um in a dance school and everyone was French there obviously so it got my language um, skills up to scratch pretty quickly um and I was pretty fluent when we left France which was about 10 years ago now um I haven't unfortunately have not had the chance to use it that much um but it's still all floating around in there somewhere, hopefully. Um, I haven't used it so far in journalism, but I would really like that. I do keep an eye out for jobs that um, ask for French speakers, particularly things like um, I've seen a couple come up where it's um, a French publication, but they want native English people that have French as a, as a second language, just to sort of um, checking with uh, proofreading uh, things that have been translated into English and stuff like that so I do keep an eye out but so far I've not had had any luck yet. Oh god having a language is just going to be so beneficial I mean in the future that, that I'm always seeing positions where they're asking for you know a Spanish speaker or a German speaker or a French speaker and it can be a whole host of things like you say written publications broadcasting even the sort of independent organizations which are kind of doing documentary making um, I remember doing an internship and we really needed like a, a Spanish translator. And so we were just like hunting around and seeing if anyone was free. So, yeah. Oh, my God, that's going to be so useful. You didn't you didn't call me or? Uh, this is before I knew you, actually. It was it was literally just oh, okay, before I did enough. the Masters in the February before we obviously started in September. So, of course, if I had known you, Ollie, <laughs> I would have been, you know, giving you a buzz. Yeah, fine. Thanks. Um. But yeah, no, you're completely right, um, Bryony. Having knowing a language is, is uh, whether or not you end up using it a great deal in your job, it's just, um, it's actually just, it just kind of impresses people. And I'd urge, I'd urge anybody to learn a language at any time. Just yeah, languages are great. Um, anyway. Well, Kate, uh, if you're open to tutoring, feel free to tutor me because my French is very bad. So feel free to open to all possibilities. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, you know, jobs board, and we didn't say we're not journalism board necessarily. We do cater to other uh, industries. Kate, I have a question for you on how you fall into social media. What things did you learn in that process of? really sort of mastering the art of social media that has sort of changed your perception of how you actually use it as a user yeah it's an it's a really um it's a tough gig actually because it's so fast moving and even if you um have training in it it's kind of irrelevant by the week after because <laughs> so much is happening you know there's platforms now that didn't exist when i um started my job in social media even a year ago so um it's hard to keep up and that was the that's been the biggest 
learning curve for me in doing it for a job particularly is that um, if you're trying to be the first person to do something, then you're going to fail pretty quickly. I think you just have to kind of roll with the punches and go with what what you instinctively feel is right for that particular job. So at the moment, just to give you a kind of background, I work for um, a small brewery and um, they have a pretty loyal following on social media, but it's relatively small. So it's kind of manageable, but it gives me a kind of scope to be quite creative in that role as well when I was doing that. So um, it's been quite good for flexing my muscles, really, with journalism. You get to do a lot of content writing, obviously, proofreading, um, editing and that sort of thing. But also using using social media gives you a bit more scope in terms of how you create content. I think it's quite easy to, to because I think because I came up from a blogging background, it's quite easy to see that as like the the pure form of your writing you know and then bringing social media in it makes you um yeah sort of think outside the box I guess so you can create stuff that's uh, really visual or you can create stuff that's interactive and there's loads of options there um and then yeah when I when we came to the the worst bit of the pandemic I was uh, furloughed um and I picked up a bit of freelancing social media support for a local charity um so that was again a voluntary position but it get, kept my hand in and I got to do a lot of the same sort of stuff for them so um yeah and particularly in the pandemic I mean social media has been such a connecting um sort of force for good hasn't it everybody's um found a way of communicating better through it so it's been a useful a useful tool to have yeah, absolutely. And it's it's also just more valuable uh, than ever before, as you as you say, due to everything that's happened over the last year and a bit. Um, are you finding it help? Are you finding that it's helping in your journalism endeavors now? Yeah, I think it does. I mean, uh, in some ways, I suppose if you're happy to share your own social media feed, it's kind of another type of portfolio if you're applying for work. So. Um, it, you can kind of showcase your skills without having to be like these are my skills in a list like you can just see um, it sort of organically in that way um, in some ways I think it's slightly detrimental for me like it is quite hard to when you work in it it's quite hard to step back and turn off from it so uh, when you need a break from things it, you feel like you're missing out always and when you're looking for work um, it has I, I admit it has put me off going for um sort of social media management level jobs because it's just so intensive and I think you um if you need um occasional like off screen time it's quite hard to manage that I mean that might just be my sort of lack of experience in that way I think you have to you have to learn that on the job what tips would you give to our listeners now looking at back at your journalism and media career that maybe they're looking to get into social media mastering their the dark arts of it what what advice would you give them I think um personally it's just a, a matter of trial and error really whether it's whether you're doing it for your own social uh, media channels that you for your own uh, enjoyment or if you have it um as a, a paid gig or you're doing it for a bigger business um I don't think there are that many rules which is quite liberating in some ways and it, you just have to kind of go with it and try different things because like I said, with it moving so quickly and new platforms developing and then things like this year, we've seen TikTok become like the main thing. And if you're hitting 
um, a younger demographic, then then that's the kind of place you need to be at. But I think it's just trying out different things, try different ways of using it and see what works. It's quite um, useful for that because you get instant reactions. You can see whether things are working or if they're not working so well. Um, and besides that, I mean, just in the last few months, I've um, come across so many really helpful people on social media in the journalism field and they're just sort of firing out really helpful tips and that you know listening to your peers is so valuable everybody um you know discovers these things at a different rates so it's just great to kind of share that knowledge uh, one off the top of my head that I have can think of is the um uh, so you want to be a journalist account and uh, on TikTok and Instagram and um all the stuff that comes out on her account is so helpful and it's just really um concise and easy to follow and you know it's it's sort of creative stuff that you can bend to whatever you need it for really what advice would you give people trying to sort of specialize in something like music as as you're doing at the moment uh well for me um i when i did my masters i kind of uh, leaned towards cultural lifestyle journalism because it's my it's my bag really it's stuff that i like i've been a musician for as long as i can remember since i was about four um and have performed and and done dance and done theater and stuff so it's kind of where um my my sort of home is and um it's what i enjoy so i think that would be what my main tip would be is if you've got um something that you are passionate about um it will pay off if that's where you aim for so i like writing about music listening to it speaking to people about it um, so I got in touch with this publication and, and just said that and said, this is what I've done. This is where I'm at. And I think in some ways uh, your writing skill, you know, sort of technical journalism skills are um, things that you can build on in the job. The, what, what matters is kind of where, where your intentions come from when you specialise in, I feel. Um, and there's so much available in music journalism as well. Uh, you know, that if you're particularly if you're willing to take some free work to start with just to build your portfolio and it's really good because you're getting you know uh, connections with editors but you're also building relationships with bands themselves or PRs or uh, you know getting free passes to go to gigs and stuff it's just all about kind of building that network up from the beginning. And that's something you must be really excited to be able to do soon um, if they haven't already started you know going to gigs and going to see live music because the last year it's been limited. Oh god yeah I know it, it will be so nice to actually be in a room with people <laughs> listening to stuff live rather than doing it all through Spotify and stuff and yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's an exciting time for any whatever specialism you're in. Um, you know, being able to actually go and do these things and not not be doing it in theory or doing everything online. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. And music's been. Um, I mean, I've done a few interviews now with bands, and they've either brought out stuff that's been specifically inspired by their experience in the pandemic, or it's been like a um, a sort of way of coping with the emotional uh, um, impact of it. So people are kind of um, using it as a way of, um, I suppose, processing the emotional experience as well. So it's a really interesting um, sector to be involved in at the moment, yeah. Okay, and with that, Kate, I think it's about time we gave your CV a second look and see how it gets on. So, George, take it away. Thank you, Ollie. Yes. 
as Ollie has already mentioned, Kate has already met our old CV scanner on a session which we ran. So Kate got 77 out of 100 for that, which would have placed her quite nicely at joint fifth on our old leaderboard. But new season, new CV scanner. And what this does is it's what job applicants have to jump through in order to get to an interview. Um, And it's what recruiters use to sift out applicants and they scan for keywords in your CV uh, that you've got buried in, trying to match it against the job description uh, and either pass you on or reject you. Now, Kate, we're using the exact same CV that we used in the session we ran, so you can use it as a barometer, but where do you think your CV uh, will excel or might need a couple of room, a couple of things that need tinkering with it? Yeah, well, I've listened to the the podcast with this new one and I don't hold out much hope, I have to say. Um, it's brutal, this one, isn't it? But um, I think... Um, I think in my uh, hopefully it's um it's brief and it's concise. So I think in the brevity stuff, I think that will come out well. Um, I don't think it's got that many action words in it, and I, I know that um it's something that I've tweaked since I did the um workshop with you guys before. But obviously, this is my original CV that you're putting through, so I think that that will probably be where I fall down. And there was one section which was in columns rather than rows, so I think they, they don't like that very much, do they? Well, we'll have our fingers crossed for you, but I will now pass you over to Bryony, not to do the lottery numbers, but to press the big old button to pass your CV into our CV scanner. You know what, George? I would love to do that, where you push the button and they all spin round and you're like, number two, ah, all the bingo. Anyway, good luck, Kate. So, Kate, out of 100, your CV scored 24. So oh, that's amazing. You're a nice third place on our new leaderboard. So I would take that because you've beaten two other people, Ed and Joe. That's good. And it's, also, it's kind of in the middle. Happy days. That's better than I was thinking. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> also, this CV scanner confuses me a lot. How so, Bryony? It's just, you know, it. I was just getting to grips with what the last CV scanner wanted. It didn't like columns. It didn't really like PDFs. It like wanted active words. And this one, you know, I'm still, I'm still trying to get to grips with what it wants from me. I know this one loves active words. It's just yeah. It's oh, quantify, down. quantify, quantify, quantify. Yeah. Literally, what have you done? Like, and how much percentage or what did you increase it by? That is yeah. what it, this, this is, scanner loves. This is like a kind of uh, this scanner is like a sort of really, really thespian film director, just going kind of give me more, more. more. <laughs> what do you want? More, more. Yes, and also, but it wants that, but it wants it in nice bullet point form. So I want more, but you've got to tell me in bullet points. I don't want waffly sentences. Oh uh, yeah, so maybe it's not like a theatre director. <laughs> mm, yeah, maybe less. Uh, but okay, twenty-four. Twenty-four is very good, Kate. Um, I think. It, am I right in saying, George? That's pretty much exactly in the middle of 
the two extremes we've had so far. Yeah, pretty much so. So I'd I'd take that and run with it and and <laughs> literally run for the hills because you've also smashed the skills and the brevity section. So um, it breaks down your score, uh, impact, brevity, style and skills. And you've got 80 out of 100 for skills. And uh, for brevity, you've got 72 out of 100. So I think you... you oh, good stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you've, you've completely nailed those. Um, it's impact and style. You've both just got under 30 points um, for those. Um, and as, as, what, as what we've said, it's looking for those action verb tenses. Uh, wants a couple more more of them and quantifying the old impact um for some reason it can't find your dates i i i i don't know because they are literally so clear and they're even on top so my guess having a look at it is it might be because it's on its uh, own separate line so um you've got the dates on top and then underneath you've got your job title and where you're at i don't know whether for this it is uh, literally trying to Searched at the end of that that line and going, oh, I see no dates. Boof. Right. Okay. But I think oh. I think realistically, dark art and like I think it works well with your sort of your visual aesthetic for for your CV. Um, so I think realistically, any human looking at this is going to understand that they're both both on about the same thing. So I think realistically possibly keep working at the other things but it already sounds like you've already been done that so maybe you have to get you on again with your newly tweaked cv yeah i'll be interested to see um what what the uh, changes would make like like brainy i'm kind of confused about what <laughs> what it wants uh, from uh, from you but um yeah it's interesting i mean i when i did that workshop with you i spent the first half of it being extremely depressed that robots were in charge of my future career um, uh, but uh, yeah it's kind of encouraging to know that some of this stuff is actually working so yeah the good thing about robots is they are like they have set rules and you can just you know work around them and Kate of course you're used to cracking algorithms and robots through your social media job so I think if anyone's going to beat it it's going to be you <laughs> well, I appreciate your confidence yeah maybe that's the, maybe that's the key <laughs> we are now talking like we're in a sort of apocalyptic film that's what it sort of feels like now um <laughs> maybe that's anyway, the next yeah. stage of the pandemic ollie you've just foreseen oh yeah well, I, was, I was thinking more sort of you know i robot or like the terminator or something than uh what was that film Con was it contagion that film that everyone was like oh my god it's like coronavirus no, just me. Anyway, I think that was Contagion, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like shown quite early yeah, in the pandemic. Yeah, exactly. Oh, ah, the beginning of the pandemic, eh? <laughs> um, right. <laughs> what well on Kate on your CV? Uh, very, very good score. And, Thank you. Uh, now it's time to play another game to finish off the podcast. Can you fake the news? Oh, can you fake the news? I always love to, like, you know, I'm just waiting for that moment to what song are you going to sing it to this week? It was, it was between two today. I'm going to remember another one next week. Oh, me too. It was a treat. 
Um, yes, this is Can You Fake the News, where each of uh, us presenters, or we presenters, have come up with uh, a headline that we are going to say to Kate. And she is allowed to ask us some questions to verify its truthfulness. Uh, so they're either true headlines that are a bit ridiculous, or we've just completely made them up. So, who'd like to go first, people? Yeah, why not? I'll go first. Go on, Brownie. Okay, so, man receives world records title after twerking for 48 hours straight. Oh, wow. Where to begin? I mean, the visual itself. Uh, wow. Right, okay. Uh, where, where is this? back Yeah, I mean, that's that's quite a feat, that. Um, where, where is this uh, man? Where does he live, does it say? So, he's based... In Illinois, the USA. Okay. Um, the land of the free. <laughs> <laughs> and he will keep twerking. <laughs> no, nobody can stop him. Um, so was this like an organized event or was he just there twerking on his own for two days? So he's a massive Miley Cyrus fan and he was trying to get her attention with social media videos that other people were filming and... He just, he was like, I'm going to do this, try and get Miley's attention. He just kept going. And then someone was like, you're going to break a world record or set a world record because no one had twerked for that long. And then Guinness World Records came down and they were like, congratulations, you have the world record for twerking. They came down like from on high, like an angel. Just yes. Well, they have quite a diverse job there, don't they? If that's the kind of thing they have to do. <laughs> do, you think, do you think they just poise for any moment that someone might, is someone breaking a world record somewhere and just like head over? <laughs> yeah. It's like Spider-Man. They just sort of feel yeah, Like a bat signal. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Feel it in my fingers. <laughs> Uh, is this a is this a recent story or one that was like back in the Miley Cyrus VMA kind of days? Yeah, it was it was prime Miley Cyrus days. Um, so it's a couple of years old. Okay, well, I think it was the same year that um, oh, what's it? Uh, Wrecking Ball came out. It was sort of that year where she you know cut her hair. Oh, she God. had like she was all, in all of her photos and videos. She just always had her tongue out, didn't she? Yeah, that's the image I've yeah. got, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, partly because I kind of want it to be true, I'm going to say it's a true one. It's false! Oh, no. <laughs> oh. And I just totally made that all up. <laughs> oh, you've got a gift. <laughs> I'm just too good at lying. Yeah. You were, wow. I mean, if that's true, you would have to have bonds of you steel. Would. I, I, you know what, guys? I'm just going to Google if there's a world record for twerking. There must be. Oh, yeah. Good, good, there good, must good. be. Um, yeah. Okay, so the, the longest twerking was right. two hours and one minute, and it was achieved by someone called Eleanor Sterlini, who's from Vienna in Austria, and it was in 2008. 2018. Wow. Oh, sorry, sorry, 2018. 2018. She, was, she was really ahead of the trend. <laughs> 2018. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally reading this and I can't read. 2018. She did it in 2008 and everyone, everyone decided to try and beat her record all at once. <laughs> and, then, and then they went back in time and they were like, actually, let's call this twerking. Congratulations, yeah. you've got the record. <laughs> 
Um, oh man, I hope she's got that on her CV. You'd put that on there, wouldn't you? You would. And she just wanted it for a personal achievement. And you know what, Eleanor, you've done that. Well done. Yeah, yeah I feel you. Why? Why not? Yeah, why on earth not? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I'll go next if you like. Um, the headline is. Elderly woman trains 65 cats to steal from her neighbours. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, to steal what from her neighbours? <laughs> uh, so it's with, uh, items such as jewellery and valuable cutlery. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. These shiny things. How many cats did you say? Uh, 65. She has 65 cats in one house. I don't want to speculate wow okay that's gross i'm just saying like that would smell isn't it yeah yeah that's not good they, they have been, she is in um it's in ohio in the <laughs> in the land of the twerp so um there are big houses there uh yeah i mean if you had enough money to have 65 cats i would imagine you wouldn't really need to steal from other people but perhaps that's missing the point um, <laughs> <laughs> uh well okay so is she? Does she have a, a criminal record before this, or was this like a, a breaking into crime? That's a good question. Um, it doesn't. She didn't seem to have any previous. Uh, but it said, basically, um, several victims reported being visited by uh, <laughs> Ruth Gregson's cats before noticing the disappearance of several objects. And then investigators began to sort of surveil her. So they were they were onto her for a while. This is clearly a sort of, you know, they were outside her house in a um, in a van that said like Fred's balloon industry or something. <laughs> I, I like that. Okay, right. Um, so how did she get them to? What? Did, how did she train them? Was it shiny things? How did they get these things out of people's houses? You know, I want to say based on the article. Uh, it said it it doesn't seem like she actually you know trained them as much as didn't complain and sort of hoarded them and then the cats sort of started thinking that she liked it and just started bringing her more and more things mm. i assume she was feeding her or them sorry feeding them okay interesting and uh, when where was this published the uh, 2017 on the 9th of november mm. You see, I think, I don't know where the cats are that interested in pleasing you, really. <laughs> That's a very good point. Mm. Yeah, I think I think based on that and nothing else, I'm going to say, I think it's false. Oh, no, absolutely. I've just given the game up. It is false. <laughs> well done. Yeah, we have fake news story reported in 2017. Very well done. Okay, so um, right through you then, Ollie. Yeah, when you when you asked uh, how she trained them, there's just a paragraph here saying, as many cat owners questioned why they couldn't even train one, let alone 65 of the intensely <laughs> defiant companion animals to do anything. <laughs> I think if you had that many cats, they would just, you know, club together and have like a pack and they'd be like, you know what? We're going to train you, woman. Like, oh, yeah. And together is surely more... No, is it more intelligent than a human? No, probably not. I mean, that's, no, that's it, it, it their... wouldn't be, but there, there's a, there's a lot of... Aspirationally. Yeah, perhaps. there's a lot of brain power there, isn't mm. it? Even if it is, you know, cat brains. 
Um, <laughs> okay, George. Man claims he failed drug test for job after eating Tesco poppy seed bread. Oh no! Oh, I, I mean that's that's desperation, isn't it? That. Um, Hmm. Mm. Yeah. See, this is it. If I don't know, it's interesting because there are. I mean, some foods do make have an impact on you, don't they? Medically, I don't know. Hmm. What uh, What job was it that he uh, he was in? Oh, yeah. Testing my skim reading skills right <laughs> here. Uh, it is not in here. However, I hope it was not for heavy machinery involved. Yes. Um, mm. And was this in, what country was this in, did you say? It was in the United Kingdom and it was reported yesterday. So hot Oh, okay, right, okay. And where was it reported? Uh, it was first reported in Plymouth Live, but this article is from The Mirror. Right. Okay. And was it, uh, so did they suspect him of taking drugs or was it like a routine testing thing? Ooh. It was part of a job interview. Okay. Oh, right. Oh, oh gosh. Wow. Okay. I mean, I'm trying to think which job interviews would do a drug test for you. Mm. I mean, that seems like quite a intense first stage. <laughs> yeah. Really drug test. Yeah, it really does. Like, you would really have to want the job, wouldn't you, to go through that? Um, having said that, I mean, we all know how rough it is trying to find a job. So, <laughs> uh, I wouldn't rule it out as a possibility. Okay. Um, See, this it it does sound like the kind of thing somebody would say if they didn't get a job. I also feel like I'm not being particularly helpful with this. I'm I, I'm being a bit coy. I feel like I, I want to give you the information, but I can't find it in the article. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I don't know if that's an indicator or not. Um, whether hmm. So it was a local press thing. Oh, well, I see. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm torn. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go for false. Kate, it's true. Oh, oh no so way. Sorry. I, I feel like legally I must say that the Mirror did reach out for Tesco for a comment, but they, uh, that they've yet to respond, but they are comply to EU and UK regulations. So please don't sue us. Thanks. <laughs> There's a lovely, uh, and I feel I'm going to recommend everyone go and read this piece because there is a lovely long section from Healthline uh, that poppy seeds come from the uh, opium poppy and that they can absorb some opium extract. And it's obviously used to make some uh, interesting drugs. Uh, and uh, apparently the concentration shouldn't be high enough for the effects of opioids to kick in, um, but apparently it can be enough to produce false positive drug tests. Wow. Well, you learn something new every day. <laughs> I couldn't have put it better myself. Well, there you go. What was that, Kate? One out of three, unfortunately, on Can You Fake the News? Yeah, I'm far, so... too, far too trusting, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that anyway. Um, but thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been great to have you. Uh, really interesting to hear about 
you know, your journey and how you're using your already acquired skills to uh, further yourself in journalism and good luck with it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been a, a pleasure. Uh, yes, and we'll hope to keep in touch. And if anybody listening would like to keep in touch with us, we are at Jobsboard on Twitter and Instagram. And you can email us at hello.jobsboard at gmail.com. And stay tuned for more episodes. We will be back next week with another guest face our CV scanner and to tell us all about their journalism jobs journey. Thanks very much for listening. I've been Ollie Hammett. Goodbye from George Goldberg. Goodbye. And goodbye from Brian E. Smith. Goodbye.